It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to the PowerMizzou.com podcast, off-season edition uh, number, well, sort of. I mean, bowl game in a couple weeks, but whatever. Regular season's over, so we are in off-season mode. That means a lot of recruiting, and it also means the coaching carousel, which on Tuesday morning, hit the University of Missouri uh, in a pretty big way. Josh Heupel named the head coach at UCF, and we're going to talk a little bit about that from the other side of things with Brandon Helwig. He covers the Knights from or for UCFsports.com and the Rivals Network. Brandon, how you doing, man? I'm, I'm doing great. How are you, Gabe? Not too bad. I, I imagine you have had a busy, <laughs> I guess it's been, what, about 48 hours since uh, oh, yeah. since Josh Heupel was named. So before we get to kind of what Coach Heupel has done or is going to do down there, just take Missouri fans through, how did this happen? Because we were all blindsided by it. Well, you're one of the only ones. I mean, and it's not just the last 48 hours. It's been absolutely crazy week to two weeks uh just with you know games ucf was, was playing uh you know really dramatic uh wins you know on black friday against uh, rival usf and then that gets you into the american championship game hosting memphis the next week just you know down to the wire just some of the best games i've ever seen covering you you know ucf almost 20 years so you got all that you got all the coaching rumors everyone in this past week kind of had an idea you know scott frost was going to nebraska uh, he wasn't addressing it with the players, and and you know I through the grapevine you hear from those guys and parents you know they were kind of you know upset and you know they were wondering what was going on so you kind of you know wondered you know how dialed in they were going to be for the championship game but they pulled it out it was a double overtime win and then you know guys celebrating on the field you know all the stuff that comes with the championship you know trophy presentation all that stuff you have the press conference and. You know, we, we kind of were wondering the timing of how everything was going to go down. And it, it happened quick. They had a press conference um, post-game. Players were called into a team meeting um, shortly afterward. Uh, Frost told him, uh, told the players that, you know, he was headed to Nebraska. And the AD, they told all the media, say, stick around, you know, stick around, stick around <laughs> right. the stadium. And the AD came and did his press conference at about 6 o'clock and, you know, not long afterward, Frost was on a private jet heading to uh, Nebraska. Uh, I had an idea. I, I knew the search from the UCF side of things was going to happen quickly. It's it's so different now. Um, I mean, you always want to get a coach hired as soon as you can, but with the early signing period, you know, I think a, a lot remains to be seen what kind of an impact that will have on these coaching searches, how many players will sign in December. I mean, we still really don't know you know, what the impacts are going to be. But you can want to have a coach at ASAP. So we had an idea that, you know, a coach would be hired within days. Uh, initially, on my end, um, I heard they were, you know, wanted to talk to Kevin Sumlin. Uh, you know, I know there was some talks there, and it was kind of like, you know, we need an answer kind of deal. And I was told if that didn't happen on Sunday, they were going to move on and, and interview candidates. From you know when when someone apparently you know wasn't interested, I'm not really sure the details. Maybe he was waiting to see what might happen in Oregon. Maybe he just wants to take a year off. I don't know. But when he he pulled out, uh, I really didn't have any solid info on who exactly was in the mix. I know there were reports out there about you know Clemson co-offensive coordinator Tony Elliott. 
uh, Toledo coach Jason Candle. But from what I consider rock-solid UCF sources that would have had knowledge of it, those guys clammed up after the Kevin Sumlin stuff got out. So I I was clueless. And, and you know, with Josh Heupel, um, you know, I think the only thing that was mentioned, one of the fans in the message board brought him up a few days before and said, hey, what, what about mm-hmm. this guy? But that was the only time anybody mentioned, not in the media, none of that. And that kind of mirrors two years ago when, when, when athletic director Danny White hired Scott Frost. He wasn't on any list. Just people weren't really thinking a guy from the West Coast would be coming to Florida. Everyone was thinking guys with Southeastern Florida ties. So it's kind of the MO. I will say I was a little surprised. Uh, just based on where UCF is right now as a program, it's a lot different than two years ago coming off 0-12, just with a, with a loaded roster, a lot of underclassmen set to win, obviously undefeated this year. I just assumed that they would go with a guy who has been a, been a head coach, someone right. ready to roll, knows that not going to have to learn on the job of a lot of parts about being a head coach, would have a staff and all that stuff ready to ready to go. So that's why I really didn't, look a whole lot at, at some of these coordinator candidates like Josh Heupel. So I was a little surprised by that and like, oh, okay, I, I thought maybe it'd be one of these Mac or, or some belt head coaches. Yeah. So we went, you know, I, we did it in, in, into Tuesday, uh, a couple of days ago now, and about 9 a.m. I got worse that there's a coach, you know, it's going to be announced soon. I didn't know who it was. Um, they were trying to keep everything secret uh, for a team meeting. They were going to have at 11 a.m. You know, I'm, I'm on pins and needles, you know, I, you know, I guess technically I think I broke the, the previous, it's been a while, but I broke the Scott Frost hire two years ago. And then, you know, 10 years prior to that, I was able to uh, scoop the Georgia Leary hire. So I'm like, I, I got to do this. I got to, I'm texting everyone I know and, and no one's talking or no one knows. It was kept very tight. And about 10 minutes before the team meeting, I finally found out and, you know, he was on campus, he was ready to meet the team. And it was just such a, a, a way and bam deal. And then, it's Josh Heupel. It's not just Josh Heupel. It's, it's defensive coordinator Randy Shannon was also announced. Um, that's an interesting dynamic as well because I think that was kind of pre-coordinated with the athletic director. It wasn't necessarily Josh Heupel, you know, lining up Randy Shannon, you know, as soon as he was off offered right. the job. So that was interesting. And then next thing you know, you're rushing over to campus for a press conference. And, yeah, so that's <laughs> to make a make a long story long. Uh, that's kind of how the last few days have been leading up to the hire. All right, so what is the reaction from both UCF fans and then guys like yourself that that cover the team and are familiar with the program? I mean, what's the reaction to this hire? Is it excitement? Is it uh, cautious optimism, or people unhappy with it? I would say a little bit of both the very first thing you said. They're very excited and a little bit of ca- uh, cautious optimism. I think that's only because he hasn't been a head coach before. Right. But I think the fact it's being packaged with Randy Shannon, um, a guy who has a lot of credibility in this state, you know, recruiting down south in Miami, that I think is what pushes it over the top to, for people to be excited. If it would have been Josh Heupel not connected with Randy Shannon, I think, not not to say people would have been disappointed, but I think people would have had more questions about it. Um, I think the fact that it's being packaged with Shannon has kind of, you know, helped the, their early sentiment to be very positive. Um, you know, people have a lot of faith in athletic director Danny White. Uh, he's He's been here a couple of years. He's made, you know, major coaching hires in every sport. Every hire has been a slam dunk. Not just football with Scott Frost, but basketball, Johnny Dawkins, baseball, Greg Lovelady, all those guys came in and won immediately. 
So, so people just naturally are very trusting, and, and they trust him, Danny White, when he says Josh Heupel is going to be an outstanding coach. Uh, from what he was saying at the press conference, and when I talked with the AD afterward, that in the interview process, you know, Josh Heupel, in his words, killed it. He came prepared. He had a vision. He had a plan. He talked about everything you want to hear about. You know how he wants to run the offense. How he wants to run the team. Academics are very important to him. So everything an athletic director like him wants to hear. Josh Heupel came very well prepared. So right now it's just, you know, not a whole lot has really happened since Tuesday. Though we're kind of waiting on potential staff hires. Nothing has been officially announced. Um, We think a couple guys from Missouri staff, the offensive analysts, appear to be joining him, uh, but nothing has been uh, officially announced yet for really any other hire, you know, other than, you know, Hypo and Shannon. Yeah, and that's what I want to get into. Again, we're talking with Brandon Helwig from UCFSports.com. That's what I want to get into a little bit the second half here. Obviously, uh, you know, Missouri fans are going to tune out if this is just what Josh Heupel is going to do at UCF. They want to know how it's going to impact them. So I I know that you told me yesterday Heupel said at his initial press conference he was going to continue to call plays. There's been some thought from this side of things that Heupel might try to bring tight ends coach Joe John Finley in as his offensive coordinator, but I'm not sure, especially if he's going to bring in a guy who isn't going to get to call plays, if that would happen. So what's kind of of your read on what Hypo will do as far as an OC? Yeah. um, Yeah. I I had a conversation with you yesterday just because I wanted to pick your brain about, you know, coaches on the staff he was close with and what you could potentially see happening in terms of a staff. Now, in fact, uh, Hypo saying he's calling his own plays. I don't think he actually said that at the press conference, but there was a a donor kind of meet and greet thing that night. And he was asked that question by multiple people. And that's what he said. Um, So I would take that at, at face value. Scott Frost was the same way. You know, offensive coordinator for his head coaching job. He was obviously still going to be, in all, you know, all into the purpose of his own so offensive coordinator. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's what we think is going to happen. Um, there's a couple offensive analysts on the Missouri staff that, you know, as soon as Hypo was hired, you know, everyone looks at Twitter and looking to see who's following who. Right. And they went on a follow spree of, of UCF commits, uh, talking about Brian Miller, who's a Offensive analyst, I believe he had been the O-line coach at Georgetown in Kansas prior to coming to Missouri. And John Cooper, who I know is, is very tight with, with Josh Heupel, formerly uh, played offensive line at Oklahoma. Both of those guys started following uh, commits as soon as the hire was, was announced. So we, we assume they're going to be part of the staff. But, you know, I know both guys have an offensive line background. You know, which one's going to be the O-line coach? Are they going to split it up? You know, yeah, so he's got the flexibility. Now there's going to be an extra assistant coach uh, that'll be, you know, part of the staff, I guess, once the spring hits. So, you know, maybe you have two offensive line coaches. I'm not sure. But it certainly appears that those guys are going to be part of it. I know there's a holdover from the UCF staff that has the potential to be retained. Uh, tight ends coach Sean Beckton. We're waiting for a resolution on that to see if that's going to happen. But yeah, right now, as far as you know, in Missouri impact, we really don't know anything officially yet. Right, and and we have no answer from Missouri on this. I don't know if it's Barry Odom's uh, decision, if it's Josh Heupel's decision, if it goes above them. But I uh, I know that Heupel said he planned to be at UCF's bowl game. Has he given any of you guys any indication? If he would, I know Scott Frost is coaching the bowl game. If he would coach Missouri's bowl game or not, 
Uh, we, that was not explicitly asked during the press conference. And right now that's the only time we've really had to ask him or right. any, any questions about that. So we really don't know about that. Now I do know that, that Hypo continues to tell, uh, recruits that he's calling, uh, UCF will not have an official visit this weekend, but they will the following weekend. And he keeps on telling everyone that this, the full staff will be in place by then. So, you know, whether that could potentially include Missouri coaches, you know, I, I don't know. Um, but as far as a time frame on that, but yeah, we don't, I don't know. Um, it's kind of a big question, right? Yeah. You're not going to value a process because of the bowl game. I mean, we assume that he is. I mean, it's such a, a mess if he doesn't. It's just an awkward situation with the early signing period. And, and literally, I mean, everyone from the staff, we're not just talking about assistant coaches, but recruiting office, football ops, all these people are gone. And they're recruiting right. for Nebraska right now. So I know you guys, you guys don't really care about that, but there's a lot of questions, not just, you know, just Coach Heupel coaching Missouri in the bowl game, but everything else relating to Frost coaching UCF. Right. Last thing for you. Um, you know, I mean, I, I frankly was blown away by this. Not that Josh Heupel got a head coaching job, but I think it's a very easy argument to make that UCF is the best non-Power 5 coaching job in the country, and it's better than a lot of Power 5 coaching jobs. I mean, this is one that nobody from Missouri uh, could say that, that Heupel shouldn't have left for or anything like that. So they are 13-0. and They are playing Auburn in the Peach Bowl, and they have a lot of guys, including their quarterback, coming back. So how much pressure is there in year one for Josh Heupel to be like right back in this spot? Yeah, you know, I really hadn't thought about that, but you're right. There is. This team is, is built to win. It's not, not a rebuilding process at all. And, you know, we'll see what happens in this, this peach ball. There's a lot of reasons where you don't feel confident just based right. on the coaching situation, game planning, and whether players also, have kind of gotten, also, gotten I've, over it. I've seen Auburn, and they're really good. Yeah, and that, and that too, and that too. So there's a lot of distractions, a lot of things that are less than ideal on the on the UCF side to to try to compete with those guys on January one. But there, yeah, there's going to be some some pressure because the expectations um, right now are going to be you know you know winning the conference again. I'm sure they'll be preseason favorites and all all that stuff. You know, it's, you, you have a lot to live up to. You know, uh, you know, Coach Frost just what he was able to able to do, and and everyone's going to be comparing him to this season, which maybe isn't fair for a guy, you know, first year as a head coach, but you're right. This is, this is really the best shot. And, and, you know, that's what the athletic director was saying all along. Like this is the most attractive, you know, non-power five job. It's, it's arguably, as you say, more attractive than a lot of other jobs just because you have the pieces in place to win. I mean, frankly, at a lot of these schools, you can talk about winning and going to New Year's Day bowls, but it's really not realistic how right. who the coach is at a lot of these places. With the current system, UCF doesn't really have a realistic chance of, of playing for a championship because it's going to be almost impossible to ever even get discussed for the top four. But with the way it is, they can they can be that you know group of five rep every year if, if they can get a role in or most years have a pretty good shot and getting a Peach Bowl or a Cotton Bowl Fiesta Bowl, something like that. So, so this is a better job than a lot of places. But yeah, he's gonna, it's going to be a lot of pressure. I really hadn't thought about that, but you're right. He's going to have a lot to live up to in 2018. Yeah, well, Brandon, I appreciate it, man. I know you've been slammed all week long, so thanks for taking a few minutes. And uh, I know a lot of people up here will be watching uh, Josh's first year down in Orlando. Okay, all right, man. Thanks. All right, have a good one. Take care. That is Brandon Helwig from UCFSports.com. And uh, I, I, I'm still a little bit floored about this whole Josh Heupel 
to Central Florida thing. I, I mean, that was that's a great job. That's not a good job. That's a great job for a first-time head coach, especially. Um, he walks in. Um, Mackenzie Milton, I believe, is the kid's name, who a, he put up crazy numbers at quarterback. You know, a, a few people wanted him to be mentioned as a Heisman candidate. I think he'll get a few votes, kind of not protest votes, but a few votes from people that think he should be on the ballot. And he's coming back next year, and he's going to run that Josh Heupel hyperspeed offense, you know. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what Heupel does down there. But again, the what you guys are interested in is how does this affect Missouri? So the first thing is Drew Locke. And I have reported this on our site, and I tweeted it, but if, you know, if you're listening and, and you – don't much follow me or you don't subscribe to Power Mizzou or you haven't read anything in the last couple days, here you go. My initial reaction was that Drew Locke probably was going to go because Josh Heupel left, or at least the chances had gone way up. That's actually, I've been disavowed of that. Uh, I was wrong on that. I've been told by, by a few people, Heupel leaving really doesn't impact Locke's decision. And if anything, it might even be a positive for Missouri. Now, look, I'm not trying to trash Josh Heupel. I never had any issue with Josh Heupel. He's fine to work with. Uh, as far as my perspective, I don't think he's a bad guy. We got along fine. Uh, I'm not saying their relationship was bad. But when you hear that, it at least indicates that maybe everything wasn't just completely rosy. And, you know, he's he's not shedding any – Drew's not shedding tears maybe that, that Josh Heupel left. So – I don't think it changes things with Drew Locke. That doesn't mean he'll be back. I think it I think it really comes down to what does the NFL tell him. If he's a first round draft pick, you know, that's a tough decision. Anything else, I think Drew's coming back. But if he's a first round draft pick, obviously there's a pretty good shot that Drew's going pro. So that kind of bleeds into the next point about Hypo leaving. What's it do to finding a quarterback? Well, what it does for this class is it means Missouri's almost certainly not going to sign one in December. Uh, I mean, James Foster has told us Missouri's out since Hypo left. Um, Adrian Martinez, who was originally going to visit this weekend, now going to theoretically visit next weekend. But with Hypo gone, frankly, I will be surprised if that visit happens. Josh Hypo was in charge of quarterback recruiting at Missouri. He identified him. He identified them. He recruited them. That was his thing. And so now you're kind of starting from scratch on that front and doing that and being able to sign a kid in 12 days, I think is pretty unrealistic. So I I think you're looking at the late signing period, what is always in the past just been the signing period, but now is the late signing period before Missouri's going to add a quarterback in this class. I think if Drew leaves, I still think they'll go the grad transfer route if they can. They'll see what pops up out there after December and maybe even, you know, after spring football, guys that are, are wanting to leave where they're at. Uh, I mean, it it's a risk, but, like, it's we've seen it work. Uh, Russell Wilson worked okay. You know, grad transfer quarterbacks can work out fine. So I think that might be where Missouri goes because if you ask me right now, if Drew Locke goes pro, is Missouri's starter next year on this roster? I would say no. I think their starter in 2019 might be on the roster, but I don't think they have anybody ready to take over that job next year. So so that those are really the two big things on what Hypo leaving does to Missouri. Then the obvious question is, 
who do they replace him with? And I'll be honest right now, I I don't know. Um, We are very focused on recruiting. The staff is very focused on recruiting. I mean, like I said, Josh Heupel and Barry Odom haven't even, like, come to a decision whether Heupel's going to coach the bowl game because they're both out on the road recruiting for their schools. So I don't think naming an offensive coordinator is, like, the number one thing. I think recruiting these kids is the number one thing and then get through this visit weekend. I would be shocked if there's any real movement on an offensive coordinator before next week. I would expect Joe John Finley to be the interim OC for the bowl game uh, in call plays there. And maybe that kind of serves as kind of a, almost a tryout. Let's see how it goes. I mean, I, I wouldn't hire or not hire him based on one game, but you know, it, it could be kind of a data point. Uh, if they hire internally, I'm very confident it would be Joe John Finley. I'm also fairly confident that I think Missouri will probably look outside for an OC. The guy I like, just early, just looking at a few names, the guy I really like is Graham Harrell from North Texas. And there's a few reasons I like him. First of all, 10 years ago, Graham Harrell was Drew Locke. Like, he was leading the country in touchdown passes. He was taking Texas Tech to 11-0, and going into the season finale against Texas, or 10-0 and maybe going into the next to last game, whatever, in 2008. He was the, the big man on campus, potential Heisman candidate, all that. And then, you know, he he didn't he wasn't a first-round pick, I don't think, in the NFL. He did get drafted. Um, but he was a Mike Leach system quarterback back when there were far more questions about a Mike Leach system quarterback by NFL teams. And so he can be Drew Locke's mentor next year. That's number one thing I like about him. Number two, he runs an offense that's very similar to what Missouri was running. The run-pass numbers are almost identical to what Missouri did this year. They spread it out. He's a Leach disciple, but he runs the ball more than Leach does. You know, And number three, his head coach right now is named Seth Luttrell, who was one of Barry Odom's top three guys when he was looking to hire an offensive coordinator two years ago. Almost exactly to the day, by the way. It's been two years and four days, I think, since Barry was hired. So all those things, there's some familiarity there. I think it makes a whole lot of sense. I'm not saying that's who Missouri hires. I'm sure Barry Odom has a list that is much longer than the one I have of guys he'll talk to. I don't think it'll happen this week. I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't happen before the bowl game. Uh, you know, but that that's me guessing. That's that's not me having any inside information because, again, like I said, this just hasn't been the focus. Like, I'm not trying to blow up sources right now saying, what are they going to do at OC? Because, honestly, I don't think they know, and I think it's going to be a few days. So all of those things will play out now over the next few weeks. Now we turn our attention, well, we really keep our attention on Drew Locke for the most part. We are going to talk a little bit, stay or go. We're going to do it with Eric Edholm, NFL writer for Pro Football Weekly, who has covered the NFL and really the NFL draft for quite a few years now. Eric, what's going on, man? Yeah, everything's good, right? We're in that season where we're kind of spying some underclassmen, trying to figure out which, uh, which guys might skip bowl games. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's an interesting time for the, for the draft folks. No question, and obviously here in Columbia with Terry Beckner having made his announcement. First, let's start there. Did I, I don't know what NFL teams would have told Beckner. Were you? At, what was your surprise level he was coming back? Well, you know, I think it was it was a good amount. I mean, I thought he would declare with with a couple of things in mind. One, he had the injury history. He has the torn ACL and what I believe his left and his right yeah, knee both in the knees. past. Right. So you have that. 
look, the, the, the threat of, of Terry again is always going to be there. That's a concern. There was the fact that Mizzou appears to have a ton of defensive tackle talent in 2018. That could have made his decision a lot easier, especially in the coach's minds, et cetera, that we can replace this guy, whatever. Um, but, yeah, it felt like he still would have been a mid-round pick because, you know, he would have had to answer for the uh, the suspension that happened a couple years ago. It's still a, an upward trend with his play, a little bit of uh, projection there. So was I surprised? Yes. But you could also see why he would opt to come back. Yeah, and uh... – Wanted to have you on to talk about Locke because for anybody listening who doesn't know, Eric is a Mizzou guy, probably knows more about the Mizzou prospects than than really most people who are going to follow the draft because I don't think Missouri was exactly a household name most of this season. So, uh, I, I mean, look, a month ago, Drew Locke wasn't on anybody's radar. And a little bit more every week you start to see, hey, this kid could rise. Hey, it's possible this kid could be a first-rounder hey, this kid might want to come out because his name's going to really get hot over the next few months. So where do we stand from the NFL perspective from people you know with Drew Locke? Yeah, and this is a different type of player, but it feels a little bit like Patrick Mahomes to me in the sense that Mahomes was one of those fascinating names. And, you know, obviously, you know, they they didn't necessarily have a a superb season last year overall uh, down at Texas Tech. And, um, but you, you saw some, some really gutsy performances, some thrilling performances that he delivered, and then some less than great ones, too. And if you look at – I mean, just put Locke's season side by each with what uh, Mahomes did last year, and you think about the special arm talent that Drew has. He's obviously an athletic kid, not nearly as much as Mahomes. But, okay, they're in the same sort of ballpark quarterback skill-wise. Look, I didn't think Mahomes was going to be a top 10 selection at this point last year. I thought mid-second, late-second, riser possibility, and next thing you know, the the Chiefs are are making a bold trade up to get him in the top 10. So can these things escalate quickly? Yes, they can. Is Drew Locke guaranteed to come out? We don't know that. So this is, I think, that what they're weighing right now and and the the part of the process that's very tricky if you're – the family and if you're drew himself well and and i can't remember if it was you that said it to me it might have been a few days ago but somebody said look every day you get closer to the draft quarterbacks rise like a guy gets picked number one that is in no way a number one overall pick because he plays quarterback a guy goes 10 who should probably go 30 if you're just going in order of the best players because of the position so that's a factor, and what what else is a factor is who else is in this class. So we don't know what Sam Darnold's going to do, but, I mean, Josh Rosen, I think, is kind of regarded as, as the top guy. You know, Lamar Jackson's out there. Baker Mayfield's out there. Josh Allen's out there. So let's say Drew throws his hat in the ring. Where's he rank with those five guys? Yeah, I would say probably below some of them. Now, could some teams like him better than Josh Allen? Sure, yeah, absolutely. Will some teams like him better than Lamar Jackson? I guarantee it. Right. I just know how some teams operate, which is they look for Drew Locks and are willing to talk themselves out of Lamar Jackson, just in terms of skill sets, body types, whatever. I mean, that's, you know, NFL people are more apt to take on a physical specimen like Drew Locke than they are Lamar Jackson. Now, Lamar Jackson may end up being a better quarterback than Drew Locke. I don't know. Another name I would throw out there, Will Greer. I mean, you and I probably wouldn't okay, have ever yeah. imagined 
he would be in this discussion too, but he's reportedly coming out too or considering. He's also so, coming off a shoulder injury, right? Correct. Absolutely. So the health consideration is there as well. But yeah, I would all kind of put them in that same discussion. And, you know, do we kind of roll our eyes a little bit that, that maybe Josh Allen is the next Christian Hackenberg, you know, the guy that people keep talking themselves into when the play on the field doesn't match it. I don't know. That's a whole different debate in itself. I mean, Rosen's pretty clearly the top guy or is Darnold the top guy if he comes out? I'll say this. I think Rosen right now is the top guy because Sam hasn't declared his intentions. I think Josh Rosen's coming out. I'm sure Chip Kelly will put the full core press on him and all that, and it could be an enticing thing. But I would have a hard time at this point picturing Josh Rosen going any lower than, like, the fourth pick in the draft. I mean, I just – the way it's going now, that's where it is. So, Darnold, could he come back? Sure. He turns June uh, June of 2018, he turns 21. So, you know – Sam may just feel more comfortable on campus playing some football and, you know, get another year with those receivers. You know, he had to change over some stuff personnel-wise. So, I could see it. Is he still possibly a top-ten pick? Absolutely. So, there's just some uncertainty there. And and the one we haven't really talked about, like, I'm not probably a popular person in the state of Oklahoma, if anybody in Oklahoma knows who I am. (laughs) But, like, if I'm an NFL GM – Baker Mayfield as a first-round pick scares the crap out of me. I mean, I'm not saying he can't be one, but I look, I know what the NFL is, and the NFL doesn't draft Baker Mayfield in the first round. Yeah, it's it's typically not the move, right? I know Drew Brees was the 32nd pick. We're just talking height, let's say, okay? Um, I know Johnny Menzel was the 22nd pick. I know there are other I, examples of – I mean, Mike Baker Pitt is Chase the, Daniel, right? Well, right. I mean – He's got that, that right, that chunkier kind of build. He's probably got a little bit more of a fastball, more of an arm, maybe more of the field is in play than, than what Chase was, but uh, more accurate perhaps. I know Chase had some great completion percentages there, mm-hmm. but, you know, he's, he's considered a much better prospect than when Chase Daniel came out. However, it's hard not to look at their body types and say, oh, yeah, right, that's, that's what I'm looking at. Right. So is he frightening? Hell yeah. But he's, NFL teams have, have warmed up to the idea of Baker Mayfield, even with the questions he'll have to answer. The on-field stuff, the off-field stuff, the height, all that. Right, right. I mean, I assume the Chiefs will draft him and put him at cornerback for when they cut Marcus <laughs> Peters. But um, He's a good press corner. Right? Yeah. 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 So, okay, back to Locke to finish up. I, I mean – we all know what the upside of Drew Locke is. I mean, the, the play that still stands out to me was, and, and I don't know if you watched every game, but at Kentucky, Drew Locke threw oh, a yeah. pass to Jamon Moore down the sideline between double coverage that, I mean, instantly when he threw it, I said there aren't 10 quarterbacks in the NFL who can make that throw. So that's, yep, that's, it. that's the plus side of Drew. So when he if he goes, when he goes to the combine, when he goes into these interviews – Tell me what they'll pick apart. What will they say? Okay, we know you have the arm, but this is why we don't think we can take you. Yeah, I think it's locking on his his first read. I think it's going through his progressions. I think it's the relative simplicity. Josh Heupel may send me some some hate mail here, but the (laughs) relative simplicity of the passing game. I mean, let's let's face it. This is not – it's not even what Lincoln Riley does at Oklahoma. It's not even what – you know, what, what the USC does in its passing game, et cetera. So, you know, those, those pro concepts, you know, the, uh, 
I mean, just the, the basic stuff that you see in every NFL playbook isn't necessarily what Mizzou runs. I know the throw you're talking about. That's the one that will make the hair on the necks of the evaluators stand up and say, yeah. give, me, give me that. You know, I want to work with that. Um, and if you can do that, I'll forgive a lot of the other stuff. Yeah, right. And, and we can work with the footwork. We can work with your eyes. We can tell you how to take snaps from center. You know, look, I mean, the one thing that I think really gave Carson Wentz uh, uh, an edge was that they ran an offense up there in North Dakota State that was had some spread concepts but was basically an NFL offense in design. Did that give him a, a, a help in, in being a week one starter as a rookie? Absolutely it did. And now he's, you know, up where he is. So it's just the thing that you can't – if you take Drew Locke in round one, let's say, I cannot imagine a scenario where he plays much at all year one. That's right. just the biggest thing. And, and the argument for Drew coming back to me is don't have – the NFL career that that Blaine Gabbard has had, because I think a lot of people think if Blaine would have spent one more year in college, like he was, he wasn't dumb for going to the NFL. He was a top ten pick, so of course you go. But had he come back another year, maybe he goes into the NFL ready to play, and his yeah. his entire career is different. And like, look, I I don't want to come off as knocking a guy for making millions of dollars, and he's starting games again. Yep. So good for Blaine, but. Uh, you know, I think there is something to be said for not just being an NFL player, but being as good an NFL player as you can be. Yeah, and there's some guys who benefit from coming back. And then there are, you know, I mean, Matt Leiter could have been the number one pick in the draft when he came out. He stayed, right. and I think he was like the ninth pick. And, you know, Matt Leiter was just Matt Leiter. He was not, you know, he, he, he played like a third or a fourth round pick when he got in there. So it's different for every guy. But then I guess I would ask myself, how much does legacy at Mizzou matter right. to Drew Locke? It may. It may not. I, and that's okay. I mean, I'm fine with guys making business decisions. So, like you said, Blaine Gabbert made the right call, per se, you know, financially speaking. So, does Drew want to finish on this incredible high note? And will this little win streak, in a weird way, work against him and, and give him the, the, the hope that he's done enough and he can leave now? All right, last one for you, and I gave you no warning that I was going to yeah. ask you this, so if you don't have one that pops to mind, I, I understand. Okay. But, like, who's Drew Locke's comp? Who's, who's whether it's current or a few years ago, uh, an NFL quarterback that you look at and say, if he's as good as people think he can be, that's what he is in the NFL? Oh, man. You know, that's a, that's a really good one. I don't have a guy. It's hard because even though I've seen all the games, I probably should – think about it a little bit more and I start coming up with these you know these comps a little bit later down the road tell, tell, um, tell me about this one like he's smaller than this guy but he's more mobile what about Drew Bledsoe that's not a bad one yeah he's more mobile right Drew Bledsoe I mean Drew Bledsoe was 6'5 6'6 maybe yep 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 and he had he had that kind of three quarters delivery, you know, that you can kind of occasionally see in what Drew does where he kind of flicks it out there a little bit. So, and, yeah, that's not, a, that's not a bad one. I'd have to think a little bit longer, but, yeah, I could, I could be talked into that one a little bit, yeah. Uh, it, it was – I came up with it on the fly. It's not the greatest. I don't study the NFL draft, but, I, like, that's the upside of him. Now, the downside, who knows? I mean, you can pick – there's plenty of guys with the downside. I, I always go back to Todd Blackledge. That shows my – Right, exactly. So. Well, you know, I mean, like arm-wise and athletically speaking, he's probably got a little less 
juice than what Jay Cutler had coming out. Yeah. He's probably not quite the – I mean, Jay Cutler is a very good athlete. That gets downplayed a little bit. But, you know, he's not a runner. So right. maybe you could say they're comps in that way. So, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's Cutler in terms of just talent. All right, well, Eric, I appreciate it, man. We're, uh, I think, going to be following this for about another month in Columbia before we get an answer. That's right. January 15th is the deadline, or 16th maybe it is. But you'll hear a lot of names go around that date. And like you said, it could go right to the buzzer with this one. All right, Eric, have a good one, man. And uh, everybody will – I I loved and I shared your story on the the bad beat last week in the Uh Patriots-Bills game. And so we'll be uh, looking for your stuff. Anyone who's bet a nickel on anything I think (laughs) can relate to that story. So I appreciate that. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, man. Have a good one. All right, see ya. Eric Edholm, Pro Football Weekly. Uh, Again, he's a Mizzou guy. That's why I like to go to him for NFL draft stuff because he doesn't just know the NFL side. He watches these games. He knows these guys. You know, he went to Mizzou, and so he follows the team. So he knows more about Terry Beckner and Drew Locke than than Todd McShay or a lot of these other guys. Doesn't mean they don't do a good job just when it comes to the Mizzou guys. I feel like Eric knows a little bit more. And, I mean, that covered it, guys, with Drew Locke. The, the, The upside is all there. And there is every chance Drew Locke could be a first-round pick come next April. But he could also be the sixth quarterback on the board. Um, I don't know what the NFL is going to tell him, and I don't know what's in Drew's head. Eric brought it up at the end. How much does his legacy at Mizzou matter? Because right now, Drew Locke's legacy at Mizzou is he had two-thirds of a great season, and he brought Missouri back from the dumpster to okay. If he comes back next year, his legacy might be he set every passing record at the school and took them to a nine-win season or a ten-win season. If he doesn't, his legacy is, yeah, that was fun those few weeks when he was really good. Um, and look, I'm not saying that should be worth millions of dollars. I It would be hard for me to turn down millions of dollars for my legacy to maybe improve at at the school I went to. But some people do it, you know. It will be very interesting to see. I think it's going to be a full month before we get an answer. I don't anticipate Drew coming out after bowl practice on Friday and say I've made up my mind and I'm staying. But we'll see. Um, Who knows? At any time in the next month, uh, we could get an answer. So all kinds of recruiting news on the site. Uh, Michael Thompson visiting this weekend. Chamber tomorrow morning with a full visit list. And there's a lot of names that that are – I think going to come as a little bit of a surprise to people, uh, come a little bit out of nowhere. So this is Missouri's big visit weekend, really, before the early signing period. We will be following that. Bowl practice on Friday and Sunday, basketball on Saturday. It is full swing, and uh, appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back next Thursday and start to delve a little bit into the Texas Bowl and the matchup with the Texas Longhorns.